everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Star Sit Down. This week, we have the news editor at the University Star, Mr. Daniel Weeks. How's it going, Daniel? It's going great. It's, uh, it's going well. There's always news happening, so I'm pretty tired. Yeah, you're tired. <laughs> well, uh, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. Um, it's a bit later in the day than normal, but um, I'm happy we were able to work everything out. Uh, how, how have you been? Uh, I've been I've been doing pretty well. Um, I'm just kind of bracing for this, uh, you know, early voting starts next week, and um, I'm working with the managing editor and, of course, you know, Jaden to formulate like like a really detailed plan for how we're going to tackle election night. Like, which reporters are going to be here? What races are they going to be looking at? Um, yeah, so it's really um, it's just. I've just been kind of fighting to keep everything organized, getting all my ducks in a line, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I get it. And, you know, you're, uh, like I was saying uh, earlier, like one of the people who I think knows the most about like the election and everything that's going on in uh, San Marcos. So like, what's, what's it looking like thus far with like the local elections in Hayes County? Well, um, there's, there's a couple of key ones that will determine like the balance of the commissioner's court, um, uh, specifically the, the the precinct three election, which that, that isn't going to appear on San Marcos ballots since it is precinct three, which I believe um, the, the major cities in that precinct are Wood Creek and Wimberley. And uh, this race is between uh, incumbent uh, Lon Shell, he's the Republican, and uh, Lisa Pruitt, a uh, Democrat. Um, basically the reason why this is kind of a key election is, um, that'll, has the potential for the Democrats to balance or just, uh, have the majority in the court, because as it is right now, there's one Democrat and three Republicans, and then the, the county judge is a Democrat. Um, so if Lon Shell is replaced with the Democrat, then it'll be two Democrats, Democrat judge, and two Republicans, which when it comes to, um, uh, issues like polling locations and extending early early voting. Uh, let me I messed that up a little bit. Um, so when it comes to important issues uh, such as a recent one, like uh, determining whether or not Texas State gets an additional polling location, like this was voted against uh, by the Republicans on the court. Uh, and um, if a Democrat was there, maybe the uh, the out the outcome of that would have been a little different. Um, so that's a that's definitely a key one to watch. Obviously, city council members in San Marcos are also running. Um, there's a vacant spot that's going to be filled. Um, yeah, they they uh, there aren't necessarily Republican and Democrat alignments when it comes to city council, but um, people are some people are running for re-election to to be reinstated into the city council. And uh, if you do your research and take a look at these candidates' past histories with how they voted in key uh city council points then uh, you can kind of uh you can gauge where their perspectives are like for example mark rocky moore is running for re-election in city council mm -hmm. um he voted in agreement with the site and release ordinance which is probably one of the bigger developments out of the city council in recent years he's running for re-election um people who aren't keen on site and release are gonna try and vote against him so uh i guess uh the, the point at the end of this ramble is to, to really take a close look at 
the candidates that are going to be making an appearance in your city and in your county because the important decisions that impact you directly on a day-to-day -day basis are going to be decided upon by these people and you need to you need to determine uh, which of these people represent your values so for someone like me i don't know a lot about like the local government or who's in office and a lot of the information that i've gotten about these people and the positions and the important dates and what's happening has come from you. So what would you say a good way for like other people, especially at Texas State, to get information about, you know, these these candidates and significance? Um, well, besides uh, reading the star, but I yeah. feel like that's a little bit more self promo than like good advice. Um, uh, city council meetings, they're all uh, and uh, commissioner's court meetings, they're all they're all broadcast um, city, uh, commissioner's court meetings every week, uh, you can you can tune into uh, their important discussions and deliberations on zoom, you can see all of their agendas uh, for their meetings in advance. Um, yeah, that's uh, to, to get the most hands on approach for familiarizing yourself with San Marcos local politics would just be to attend the meetings they have citizen comment periods at the beginnings of their meetings. Um, if there's a really key talking point, like maybe something about the dam, Capes Dam, um, then the 30-minute the comment period at the beginning of that city council meeting will be loaded with people providing input. Um, uh, people can give input about uh, about what happens to their neighborhood districts. Uh, you'll, you'll see often that uh, uh, future development districts will be changed to uh, a district that allows for certain like uh, certain heights of buildings to be constructed in that district and they will uh, they will they will source the perspectives of people that live in that district and so you um, you can directly impact the decisions that they make which is another great way of uh, being educated on local uh, local politics there um, let's see that's a couple uh, it's okay if I have a couple seconds to think. Yeah, dude, you're, uh, you're totally, you're, you're safe, man. You're, you're good. Cool. I, uh, when I get, when I get a little nervous, uh, which I am just a little nervous, uh, yeah, I, I do good. ramble. Uh, so if you have to edit me down, sorry about that. No, 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 you're good. I mean, I don't, don't, don't be nervous. It's more of just me trying to understand more because I, I'm obviously the star is a great outlet to get a lot of this information, but you know, a, a lot of it, I feel like can be daunting and you know, there's a lot of names and you know some people aren't registered in the in the county and they don't know and you know I, th I think it's just a lot of information to take in and I, I think that may be a reason why it might deter pe a lot of people from voting and I think you touched on like some of the significance of voting especially locally because I feel like a lot of times people look at the national level of, of uh, or even the state level of voting and they, they kind of just overlook the county and the significance that can that can happen in the on the county level. So I just I think I think you did a good job of explaining kind of just like, hey, if you vote for like these smaller people, like, you know, it, it can majorly impact even what's going on immediately around you, as opposed to like, you know, Biden or Trump, you know, that that, that might not be you might not see the most significant impact right away. And I feel like a lot of people tend to overlook uh, county and, and local government too, because the, a lot of these elections get decided by single digits, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Maxfield Baker uh, last year he won the city council uh, seat. Um, he won that over incumbent Mark Gleason, 
which was a which was an upset for sure and i believe it was by 30 votes and um maxfield baker voted in favor of site and release i'm not sure how martin gleason would have voted for site and release but if he voted against it then the ordinance wouldn't have passed it would have been another stalemate so those 30 31 people that that uh, voted for maxfield baker could have potentially decided the outcome of a site and release ordinance in the city which uh that's that's just a, a very like you said uh it's these these elections are decided by very small margins and uh, if people just if if they if they went in knowing the impact of uh how an individual candidate on any sort of quarter seat has then uh, i think a lot more people would be inspired to vote locally even if they aren't inspired to vote federally i mean personally i'm going to be voting federally between the two primary candidates but something i see a lot is people look at what we have on a federal level and they just they feel hopeless they feel as if um, they're not going to get the change that they want to see on a national level um, from the candidates that we have and therefore they don't feel the need to vote or they don't feel like their vote counts on the federal election which in some states that might be the case in some states it, it, it could feel completely fruitless to cast your vote for a presidential candidate but um, like I've been saying uh, that that impact at a local level that affects uh, that impact at a local level that affects people in your community on a much quicker basis on a much quicker speed than how federal things get done that happens at a local level and um so i i would encourage even people that aren't interested in voting for president to uh think about the problems in their community and think about how they want to tackle that i think you're right i i think you're right man because like you said, a, a big thing that deters a lot of people from voting is the fact like, you know, my, my vote doesn't matter. It's like, but in this instance, in the community around you and the one that you live in and the ones you're in out of day and day and night, it can directly impact you, you know? So I think, I think you had some really great tidbits about voting and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with this uh, election. I think uh, you're doing a really good job with the election coverage. Thank you. Um, I think uh, it's very interesting being at the star during this time, especially being uh, somewhat new to the operations, how people are going about it. And I, uh, I we'll see what happens. You know, only time will tell the tale. But um, I want to gauge the conversation more to you because I want to I want to learn a bit more about you, you know, because, you know, I, I feel like you have such an interesting uh, personality and uh, I like your personality. I think it's very uh you're very well-spoken and kind of uh, outgoing. So uh, you started out as an English major here at Texas State, and then eventually you went on to journalism. So what what made you want to go into English uh, kind of as a, as a major and then m make that transition to journalism? Well, um, for starters, thanks for the, the compliments. I, I really appreciate it. Um, uh, so when I first landed at Texas State, I lived in Tower Hall, the seventh seventh floor. Um, I have to fact check myself there. Um, with uh, with uh, fresh faces such as Jacob Rodriguez living on the same floor, who he went on to be the editor in chief of the University Star. Um, I went on to do nothing for a couple of years. I was not very motivated by my general mass communication major. Um, 
I I was like, this is stupid. I um, <laughs> I uh, I thought I was I thought I was above uh, the idea of like a digital media uh, innovation class. I was like, well, this is stupid. I know what Twitter is. Like, I, I don't need to know about this. Um, I did bad in that class, really bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shout out to Dale Blazing Game, fantastic teacher, but man, I did so bad in your class because I was a bad student. What did um, you do? Well, what happened? I I just I wouldn't attend. I I was just simply I did not prioritize it um, because I I don't know can't give you a reason. I just wasn't a good student there. Um, I BS the tests. Um, and I got a D in the class, um, which that kind of lit a fire underneath my ass, uh, for lack of a better term, even though there's probably is a better term. Um, and I just, I felt like I needed a point, like a very specific point as to what am I going to do with this education that I'm getting before I waste it. Um, college is a privilege and look at me. I just, I just did garbage in this class. Right. Um, I also failed university seminar to give you an idea. Um, oh my gosh, bro! Yeah, so easy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the <laughs> the follow up was even easier, thankfully. Um, okay. I did get that done eventually. So um, yeah, I I decided that uh, I really liked to read. I really liked to learn from authors. I liked pretentious people that wrote about themselves. So I uh, I could probably well, this is my thinking. Like sophomore year, I could probably pursue a English career, maybe starting off as a teacher of English and then maybe developing to be more of like a scholar of uh, certain authors, certain topics, certain periods of times. Um, and yeah, uh, so I, I switched on over to English. I started taking very heavy English classes. I'm talking like classes that are dependent on uh, just a whole bunch of reading and a whole bunch of um, just uh, like critical analysis of past works. And I was decent at it. Um, I, I, did I procrastinate with my papers? Yeah, of course. Uh, were they, some of them half-assed? Yeah. Did they go off topic and start talking about Richard Nixon? Of course, every once in a while. I just, I was still scatterbrained at my approach in what I'm gaining from this education, right? Um, and it wasn't until I was sitting in a class that was hyper-focused on a really interesting medieval author um, that I realized like, man, I, uh, these people are leagues ahead of me, right? Your classmates uh, or the authors? Uh, the classmates. Uh, oh, wow. these, these people are just leagues beyond me. They have such an understanding of this just, this complicated literature and at this point i was working for the star for uh i was like i was the assistant news editor at this point and uh at that point i realized like the i'm dedicating all of my time to the star and one percent of my time to reading boccaccio so maybe i need to just bite the bullet make the shift to journalism and i did um and i'm very happy that i did um Damn, I'm happy for you, man. That's crazy. So what about your time at the Star? Like, how did you start? And what, like, was it Jacob that got you into the Star? No, no, no. Um, it was, uh, actually, I don't remember. I I just had this idea. Um, I was I was looking, I, I Googled English major jobs. 
and um, I I saw in a couple of the websites it said like you should apply to your local college newspaper, and I was like, okay, yeah, sure, thanks, Wikipedia, and um, so I did. I just I shot an application for um, I. I, I did an application for opinions columnist. I did an application for news reporter and assistant news editor. Um, a day later, I got an email from uh, news editor at the time, Sonia Garcia, who said, hey, so assistant news editor is something that we decide at like the end of the semester. But if you want to be a news reporter, I can interview you at Mochas and Javas. So I went, um, got the job, woo. And I very quickly realized that I was just garbage at what at, at this whatever the hell this was um and uh, sonia pretty much had to baby me of like you got to talk to these people you got to get your quotes like this and just story after story i committed to just i really wanted to publish like a really good informative article um i feel like uh, the first time that i submitted something that i was like proud of that I was like this is this is something that a news reporter would write um was when the whole vape thing was happening that was you this that was yeah, you the, yeah I do remember that I, I I actually like I took the physical copy of the paper I took it to my dorm room and I kept it I read that I can't believe that was you that's insane. thanks was, yeah I was I was uh it was like I was in the middle of writing that and Sonia slacked me saying, oh, yeah, this is going to go front page. And of course, I was like, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, I, I was happy with it. Um, it. Uh, yeah, that was uh, I think that was kind of the moment when I really just kind of realized that this is something that not only I could be good at, I could be great at. This is something that I could do for the rest of my life if I wanted to. And um yeah, it, it, that didn't really fall off. Um, Chase Rogers became the news editor after Sonia Garcia became the managing editor. Chase Rogers chose me to be the assistant news editor somehow. Thanks, dude, but I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what you thought you were doing. Um, uh, another semester of struggle and trying to find my footing. Um, I, I put out a couple more articles, but I was really mostly focused on just shaping uh, what the new section was supposed to be. And then all of the weight fell on my shoulders when Chase Rogers graduated and I'm the news editor now. Um, I have been since May. Yeah. That's insane. Like the way, the way it comes full circle. Cause I vividly remember that, uh, that article it was like you said, it was on the front page and I picked it up and I was looking at it and like, I have very strong opinions about vaping. I hate it. So like, it was, it was funny to read that and like laugh at the people who do vape you know, because they're making poor decisions. And it's just crazy. Like, I'm talking to you now. Like, that, that was like my introductory to the star, too. Because that was the first thing I picked up. And I didn't really, I knew tidbits about it, but that's what kind of got me interested. And I was like, yo, like, these people know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? They have the structure. This is dope. And uh, wow, that's insane. That's honestly insane. So uh, how do you like being the uh, news editor? Well, uh, let me tell you, it is hard it is it is really really hard uh going into it i was uh i was thinking it was going to be uh a lot like being the assistant news editor like uh just tell the people to do the thing and they'll do the thing right it's just it's that simple but uh of course it's not um when uh, i'm wearing the big boy boots 
It's a, it's a matter of training reporters. It's a matter of hiring reporters. It's a matter of determining what is the new section going to be covering this week? What is important in the city, in the university, in the county this week? Um, and that's, that's the hard part is coming up with what stories I want my reporters to be covering. And then also I have to simultaneously train them to the point where they can take the stories that I want them to cover. Um, so it's it's hard, but uh, I guess back to your original question of what do I think about it? I love it. This, this, is, uh, this is right here is the best place for me to be right now, because not only am I, do I have this, this platform that I can use to uh, educate the people of San Marcos and the university, um, mm -hmm. I can I can give platforms to people who have that same passion as me. Like uh, when Sonia uh, brought me into the star, I didn't know that this would become the thing that I wanted to do. I didn't know that this was going to be my career, and I just I want to give that same experience to as many people as possible. Give platforms to as many people as possible. Uh, develop writers. Um, it's just a, it's a fantastic opportunity and a, a, a privilege with a capital P. I love hearing, uh, like when people are like passionate about something and they really enjoy it, like just letting their heart out and, and clearly like you have a lot of, uh, admiration about this position and the power that you have, uh, and able being able to develop people. And that's a beautiful thing, man. Do you think, uh, you're going to do this like, uh, or do you want to do this as like a career and, you know when you graduate? Yes, um, that's my current goal. But obviously, five years from now, who knows, uh, the amount of money I have and where I'm going to be living will be determinant of where will will determine what job I'm going to go into. But um, if you're asking in the broad scope of journalism, yes, uh, as an editor and a manager, I'm not sure. Um, I'm taking advantage of this opportunity that I have right now, and I'm going to do the best I can to fulfill the position. But um, when I'm when I'm writing solo, I guess when I'm uh, there's a fly on my wall. It's dead. <laughs> I feel so much better. <laughs> This has been a very interesting podcast. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. You're a funny guy. This is what I'm talking about. Like your personality. You're a, you're a funny guy. Okay. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, please continue. Um, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. Um I don't I don't know if I would want to be an editor past the university star. I um because I love reporting. I love reporting so much. Whenever I have the time to write a story, um and uh, once I'm like, once I've got a like really good interview or once I, I have everything down on the page and it's like, I've got even more. It's just, I get this, this, this feeling of just like the satisfaction and like pride with myself, which I've always had a hard time giving myself credit. And I've always had a hard time with imposter syndrome, which is um, just feeling like you're not in the right place, feeling like where you are is a mistake. And even if that is the case, even if I'm not the most qualified person for this position or in this field, um, I'm, I'm giving it my all. And whenever I, whenever I land, whenever I land like a success or like an, just a, a completed article, or even if I edit and put together something from a reporter that's just really good, um, it gives me that sense that of belong, 
it gives me it gives me that sense of belonging it gives me that sense that i'm i really am in the right place and that nothing really uh, makes me feel that way like putting together a good article so i want to be more than anything just like a texas reporter for now um, unless i move to wisconsin then i guess i'll be a wisconsin reporter i don't know so uh like just covering like texas news and politics i could see you being a politics writer like i, I would I like to doing, i could see you doing something like that that would that would be really cool um i uh i need to shout out chase rogers the former news editor for he really kind of uh, stoked the flames for my interest in politics like that and um, now i'm at this point where i just i like live and breathe it if i get the chance to cover it i will and um, I, I think it's, I hope that's a major part of my career in the future is politics. What do you think about what's going on now politically? I'm uh, curious. You don't have to say your political affiliation, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm very interested because I have very strong opinions about everything that's going on in terms of uh, the left and the right. And yeah. Boy, you've opened up a can of worms here, sir. Uh, are we talking federal? Because I've got opinions. I've got yeah, opinions. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I uh, I don't like the governor. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't like most politicians. I think politicians are slimy people. But uh, the governor, I don't really, I don't really like him. You know, and, and like what um, would he like close like it's one polling location per county? Like, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? These counties yeah. are so big, and I think it's just it's just voter suppression. So I'm not a big fan of the governor. Uh, I'm referring mm -hmm. more more so to uh, the federal level. But if you um, do have if you have tea on the state level, go go ahead, bro. Go off. The mic is yours. I uh, I will talk about one thing on the state level. Um, since you did mention Abbott's recent action. Um, here, I've got to pull it up just so I make sure. By, uh, yeah, mail ballot drop boxes. That's that's what was limited to one in each county. Okay. Um, his county wasn't affected uh, that much, really, because they already only had one drop-off point. But like, if we if we talk about Harris County, like millions of people, one mail one mailbox drop-off point, and um, obviously, I uh, it is it is a mission of mine to remain objective. Um, especially in a standpoint of news, but this is this is a repeated attempt throughout history in Texas to suppress voting, um, making it as much of a task, as much of a chore as possible to limit uh, the amount of people that can vote. And if you limit accessibility to certain groups, then certain people can stay in power. Uh, something I was thinking about the other day is um, rooting out like an incumbent a uh, powerful Texas senator is, uh, especially a Republican one, is really, really difficult. Like, uh, you can you can raise millions of dollars, and you can have like uh, you can you can be like Beto O'Rourke and have like a like get get an endorsement from Michelle Obama and like make turning Texas blue national news, and you will still lose to Senator Cruz just because it's so difficult to weed out uh, these people that have been in office for so long. And uh, uh, with Abbott's, Abbott's move here, to me, uh, especially in terms of Harris County, it comes off as uh, transparent and intentional. Because if you think about it, um, hey, uh, Harris County is uh, 
big bustling city, right? Uh, yeah. Big in the economy. Uh, maybe not as much now, but even now, uh, people people looking for answers, people looking for a new life, people that uh, in their 20s that are still moving around, uh, maybe impacted by the economic effects of the, the negative effects of COVID-19, moved to Harris County. Um, uh, people in that age group, either whether it be for college or just looking for a place to settle down, uh, this, this young group that I'm talking about at uh, college age slash people moving around is early 20s that's a primary democrat that's a blue voter base right there not entirely but primarily and um these people need to change their address in order to apply for voter registration in harris county um and the more the more of a pain that it is to accomplish this and uh and in terms of mail-in ballots uh, the more of a pain it is to to get to this one single drop-off location then that that harms the Democrat voter turnout. And uh, as far as uh, as far as I know, Harris County is pretty blue, but limiting blue votes in any part of Texas just inherently helps conservatives. Um, because uh, the people that vote every single year for the same Republican like conservative ideals, they're already registered to vote. They, they, they're going to vote early. They're going to get up really early. They're going to go to the polling location. They're going to they're going to click R. And then they're going to move on with their day. But uh, people that are new in town that are Democrat, jump through hoops. Good luck. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess on the sentiment of voter suppression, it's uh, that's the way politics are in Texas. It's just a matter of how can we how can we structure the system so that it benefits the people who are already going to vote for the same group of people uh, and not the new people. <clears throat> I uh, I definitely agree with your note about it being transparent. I thought it was very transparent. You know, when I saw, I think, I don't remember where I saw, but I saw and I was like, well, it's pretty obvious what he's trying to do. You know what I mean? Because like mm -hmm. you just said, you limit the voting locations in a pandemic where people are, you know, scared to go out. Some people might have conditions. It's just, and then it was, a, I think it was a video that CNN did or no, I think it was NBC. I think it was NBC or MSNBC, same thing, uh, about like a guy, he was a reporter in Texas and he like was like a one side of Harris County and he like drive 40 plus miles to go to the other location just to vote. And it, it's really, it's sad. It's, it's genuinely sad because, you know, so many people, especially now are trying to champion voting and it's on every social media app you see, hey, are you, reg are you registered to vote? The NBA, they're encouraging people to vote. MLB, everybody's saying vote, vote, vote. And then you got these clear attempts by the people in charge trying to stay in charge, just like saying, well, we'll make it harder for you to vote, even though it's your right to vote. And it's just, this is, this is like my gripe with a lot of like politicians, you know, like I feel like on some level, they don't always have the best interest of the people at heart. And I feel like there's just a lot of corruption that happens in, in terms of government. And, you know, that's just my opinion. You know, I think it, it happens on both sides. I think it's just government as a whole. There's just some, there's a lot of corruption and uh, it, it's just sad to see, man. I, I appreciate your uh, point of view. You know, uh, we don't have to go like into more detail, you know, uh, you don't have to like uh, elicit like your, political uh, affiliation or anything. I know you're trying to remain as objective as possible and I respect that. Um, Trump has COVID. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, 
Well, it's been fascinating watching uh, the, the way that news organizations are scrambling. Because obviously, I, I don't understand why people were s surprised in any regard that the White House wasn't 100% transparent about Trump's state. Like, if if you were surprised that the White House wasn't going to tell you what's going on with Trump's health, then where have you been? <laughs> where? Like, not only in the past, like, four years. Like, the, when has the White House been a crystal clear, transparent uh, body? Like, no. that's just not how it is. Um, so watching reporters, uh, watching this bloodbath of just, like, uh, this person close to Trump, uh, this person who's close to a person who's close to Trump said this, and then there has to be a big fact checking, like, no, uh, Trump doesn't have the flu, or like, no, Trump didn't have an oxygen tank. Um, and then all the only like concrete reporting that we can get is like, Trump's physician says this, but it looks like he was having trouble breathing. Um, so it's just a matter of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, from my perspective, it's just been absolute chaos watching this unfold. And um, especially now that uh, Trump is out of the hospital and uh, through his through his Twitter, he's focusing, in my opinion, all of his effort into trying to like keep that campaign moving. And he's doing as much as he can through just Twitter. Um, and so watching just series of all caps tweets come in from him, it's... Uh, it's entertaining for sure because it's it's incredibly weird stuff. Like he just tweets, uh, "Space Force vote." Like I wonder <laughs> how many individuals saw that tweet and they're like, "All right, I'm voting Trump. Let's do this right now." Space Force, um, bizarre, just bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. Uh, I have a blocked on Twitter, so I don't see uh, any any of his tweets. Some slip through the cracks, but uh, I don't <laughs> Space Force vote. All right, I know who I'm voting for. Um, yeah, it's a, I, I feel like it's a lose-lose situation. I feel like whether, God forbid, I feel like God forbid he dies, right, to this. I'm not going to jinx him. You know, I don't, I don't want him to die. But uh, if he does, it's going to be a mess because then the president's going to be dead. And then, like, you know, we're going to have Pence – and I feel like a lot of Republicans are gonna like say Pence should be in for longer, and it's an election. It's just it's gonna be a nightmare. You know what I mean? And then on the ver on the other side, if he manages to make it through it, I feel like he's just gonna downplay it even more, and people are gonna be like, "Well, look at Trump, man. Like he uh, he he kicked it easy. It can't affect me, you know." And that's a whole new animal, because I feel like. You know, when I first heard the news, I was like, well, he's a 74-year-old guy. He's overweight. That ain't a good combo for this thing. But then another part of me is like, he's the president of the United States. They're going to – he's going to have some of the top-of-the-line care, and they're going to do him well. So I don't really know, man. What What do you think? Well, um, I definitely don't think he's going to die. Um, I, I I don't think that's going to happen. Um he, uh, but his, his reelection, this period of time might be the most important period of time for him to determine whether or not he's going to get back into office. Um, because the way that he, he bounces back from like 
so many uh, people in his party that he like his, his party was like a super spreader for this. That's that's the that's the the hot buzzword right now, right? Um, and that's a that's a crippling blow because that's a lot of people that aren't working. There's probably a lot more people that uh, in in that office that have COVID that we know about uh, uh, because there's no way that. 10 people in a room of 100 people, all of them having COVID with no masks, and then it doesn't go much farther beyond that. Um, so it'll just be a matter of how does Trump recover from this, especially uh, the news about him. Um, well, it's, I guess it's still up in the air at this point of the recording, but he he just canceled the, the deals with uh, Pelosi to try and negotiate a stimulus bill. And that's a... Uh, waiting until after the election to get that done—that's a—that's a bold move. Uh, that's that could potentially really harm his 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 campaign at the moment. And um, he he even came out in a tweet and said like, uh, "Get it done, make it happen." Uh, right after he said he canceled <laughs> deals, so he's just he's all over the place. Like he makes a decision, he goes back on the decision, and then he goes on a tweet storm talking about space force, talking about right now he's big on the collusion with the Democrats and the Russian hoax, bad time to pull this up because, uh, I mean, the people that believe in that stuff already believe in that stuff and they're already voting for Trump. You're not gonna sway more people by throwing a tantrum about uh, some investigation that doesn't have any solid grounds yet, right? Um, so if he sharpened his approach and if he, if he pushed and got a stimulus bill through like yesterday and he, he was, hyper focused on his ads about uh whatever uh, uh sleepy joe biden or whatever his his campaigns are if, if he sharpened up found one or two things to talk about and uh, got a stimulus thing through then he could very well pull through in selection he could um but he's just so disorganized at this point that it's just hard to believe that he has a chance but i'm I mean, what do I know? I just see polls and um, we'll have to see what happens. But man, uh, the reason that he got in one of the, in my opinion, one of the main reasons that he got into office said his approach was so simple. Like yeah. if you just say make America great again and something as vague as we're going to build a big old wall and uh, people hear those two points and they're like, yeah, I like those two things. Um, so if he wants to keep up his his uh, his record of staying super simple and attracting as many people as possible to to short punchy ideas, then he needs to get back on that horse again, or else he's not gonna make it. Okay, that's valid. I've never I haven't heard anything like that, so this is that's a lot of new information. Uh, we'll see what happens, man. Uh, I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see how he pulls out of this one. You know, like you said, it does it does look very disorganized, especially, you know, every couple of days it's somebody new in the house that was close to him and it feels like another blow for that side, you know what I'm saying? Um, another question I wanted to ask you in, in regards to like the state uh politics, do you think eventually at some point we're going to turn Texas blue? That's that's the question, right? Um it's, we got a lot of people from California coming here. I'm originally from New York, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, my mom and I moved here. So a lot of people are coming here from these Democratic states with this Democrat ideology. You think it's possible? Uh, it's it's 100% possible. 
Um, but I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, other than just voter turnout, I guess. But um, obviously, as we discussed, Republicans work really hard uh, to to change the voter map, sometimes literally, actually a lot of the times literally, if you want to look at like uh, voter districts and stuff, it's it's insane. It's like a kaleidoscope. Um, and that's that's just uh, that's just the way that they they've structured their government. Um, and so it'll be a matter of uh, getting the right people in office to undo uh, things that might prevent uh, voters from getting uh, getting to the polls. Um, but it, it's a tough question. And the reason it's a tough question is um, it hinges on uh, it's, it's a buildup, right? It can't, uh, it, Texas can't become blue overnight. It has to be like uh, super red areas of the state that have a high population uh, need to need to start slowly becoming blue or purple. And um, having a, you know, senator representatives that are that are blue obviously helps with that a lot. Um, you really need like someone to rally behind like Beto, I think, in order to, to really make a push for a blue Texas. And he did a, he did a fair job, but uh, like we saw, like even in the, in the debates of Ted Cruz and Beto, like it was, it was difficult uh, to, to get Beto to, to say like a, like a plan, like what he wants to do. Cruz has been sitting in that chair for 3000 years and he has a, he has a bullet point list of everything that he wants to do. Um, Beto is just like, yeah, I want to turn Texas blue and I want to govern off of hope. And like, you can, you can try that. You, you can go ahead and try that uh, on a nationwide level and maybe that'll work in your favor. I mean, Obama ran a really successful campaign uh, on kind of like I, I mentioned, uh, having punchy things, right? Like uh, campaign on hope. And obviously yes, he had can. other things as well. Yeah, yes, we can. Um, and you need someone like that in Texas, but also someone who's probably a little bit older and um, has experience, a lot of experience with Texas government in order to, to, I think, successfully push that. But how many older seasoned Texas uh, officials are gonna lead a blue charge in Texas? Like, let's, let's be honest. Uh, super grizzled longtime Texas authorities are probably mostly Republican. Um, so, yeah, it's what about, a. What about ten years? You think ten years? You think ten years, way longer. Solid, maybe in ten years. Uh, I, I'd say it's more likely for it to temporarily turn blue for a period of time and then maybe switch back to red in like a ten-year period. Um, I don't think we're going to see a permanently blue Texas, maybe even in our lifetimes. That's that's fair. A lot of my a lot of my opinions on this come from. Just like Elon Musk is going to put like a, tes a Tesla campus in Austin and he's going to move here. Joe Rogan just moved here. A lot of people from both coasts are moving to Texas mainly because of the income tax. You save a lot of money living here. Um, stuff like that. And I know a lot of like conservatives in Texas too are like, keep your California or wherever you're from voting that way. But when you move here, like vote red. So I feel like, I don't know. I, I I uh, I think when Beto ran, he did, I, I I did a project on him in, in high school. So I like I I read through like his Senate website and everything, and uh, I mean he 
had some good points. You know, he was trying to legalize marijuana, de- decriminalize it in the state, and kind of like Bernie-esque, uh, kind of like goals and plans. But like you said, it was kind of just like hopes and dreams, which I think is really funny. And uh, it's like the, the stat for like beating an incumbent, like incumbents hold the seat. It's like in the 90%. I, I want to say 98%. I could be wrong. But, um, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. I appreciate you talking about, like, uh, this political stuff because uh, it fascinates me. And you know way more than I do when it comes to, like, at least Texas and, and uh, like, local government, too. So where do you see the new section going in the future? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, well, uh, the, uh, the focus of our coverage changes by the week, by the month, by the day, even. And um, right now, it's just a matter of I'm I'm planting seeds. Essentially, I have reporters on certain beats. Um, I have one covering crime. I have one covering the city council. Um, I have one covering just the San Marcos community, like businesses, uh, uh, events, um, and uh, I'm I'm planting these seeds now. And they they the goal is for them to become experts on their topics, and then pitch just uh, bigger and more specific and more complicated stories in those beats as they go. And we, the goal is to, uh, for these seeds to sprout and uh, to eventually have just a forest of these experts. Um, how long can I keep this tree metaphor going? Who knows? But um, yeah, uh, to, to really, to really, I guess, the bear the fruit of the goal of the new section, it's a matter of just, um, uh, digging down and just uh, finding the the juicy stuff to cover. Like uh, we had a really awesome story recently, just that we just on a whim uh, kind of stumbled upon is uh, comparing H1N1 to the, the current pandemic. Uh, shout out to news reporter Lionel. Um, uh, yeah, uh, so and big stories like that, uh, that, that's the face of the news section for that week, right? Um, and so uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say like, oh, this month it'll be all election stuff because uh, who knows what's going to come up. I, we, we have a history story about a civil rights activist coming up uh, that isn't necessarily pertaining to the election. So um, I guess uh, to more directly answer the question, see how I dodged that so hard, like a politician, I'm learning, but um, to more directly answer the question, <laughs> the, uh, uh, the new section is, uh, I want it to be representative of this city. We are a university paper in, uh, intrinsically, I guess, but um, I want the university star to be more than that. I want the news section to be uh, representative of what's happening in our city because uh, we live here. Uh, we're learning about this city uh, at, a, at a, a very fast and very complicated rate uh, there's no reason for the, the university to start a new section to not be the source of news for people that live in San Marcos. Um, not just students who go to Texas State. Uh, even uh, if we have uh, Hayes County news that we want to cover, which uh, isn't as common as San Marcos and university news, um, uh, we w- I want to be a resource for people that live outside of San Marcos, Buda, Kyle, Dripping Springs, um, which that's obviously pretty ambitious, but I want to, by the time I get out of here, I want to lay the groundwork for it to be possible for the university to start to just be like this source of information for 
the, um, the county, uh, the city, like I said. And um, yeah, just as many people as possible because uh, the more people that uh, rely on the star, then um, the better work we produce. It's, uh, it, it goes hand in hand. And you're a junior or you're a senior? I'm a senior. You're a senior? Okay. And you graduate in the, the spring? Uh, the summer, hopefully. Okay. All right. Good. You know, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited because it really sounds like you have a goal and you have a plan and I'm excited to see how you make the new section grow. And, you know, the, the notion in the, at the stars that the, the new section is the bread and butter. And I feel like, you know, having you at the helm and having these ambitions and goals, I feel like it's, it's really good. It's really good. And I think you're going to make a really good content. I think I read the, and, uh, h1n1 uh story and i really enjoyed it so i think i think your section's doing a really good job Thank uh, you. yeah yeah my, I, I mean it i mean it um so are you excited about the 11 percent uh me and gabby kind of talked about it a little bit last week but we weren't like we didn't like announce it on social yet and i i feel like this is a good opportunity to kind of like plug in and talk about it and you were the one that had this you know really ambitious goal and this, you know, what you wanted to cover and talk about. And initially it involved like COVID and, and, and the election, right? Or uh, it involved like COVID, black people and the election or, or something very ambitious about that. So I want to hear like you, you, how you feel about the 11% and, and like uh, what you want going forward with it. Because now that we're kind of just like getting some motion going, I feel like this would be a good time to, you know, talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very hyped to see uh, where we take this project because um, it is very ambitious. But uh, this is this is something that we're taking on that hasn't been done by the University of Star before, or even other news organizations based in San Marcos here. Um, obviously, the 11% it's it's talking about the 11% Black population at Texas State, but um, I want to take that further. Like I'm, I want to talk about Harvey Miller. Uh, an activist based in San Marcos uh, seemed like a really, really awesome guy. Um, I want to, I want to take in, I want to think uh, beyond Texas state. Where do black students go when they leave Texas state? What are their aspirations? Um, what about the first black women to attend Texas state back in the sixties? Like uh, where are they now? What were they, uh, where did they think their lives were going to go when they were at the university compared to where they are now? I think um, it's, it would just be, I, I, what I want for this project to be more than anything is timeless. Um, and it has the opportunity to be so 100%. Um, and uh, what I mean by that is I, I, I would like to almost paint a picture of what it has been like for black students at Texas State and what it will be like for black students at Texas State in the future. So those that make the decision to uh, get uh, a degree at this university can kind of uh, take a look. Uh, like, how has the university treated people that look like me for the entirety of its existence? Um, what are the communities that are thriving within the university um, that, I can, that I can participate in? How can I best take advantage of this, uh, of this college experience um, because uh, the more that the university, the more effort the University Star puts into constructing this 11% project, then potentially um, the more uh, 
black students would be motivated to attend this university. And uh, that's, uh, that's like a, a big part of the theme, right? Like the 11%, that's, that, that isn't necessarily significant. And that's a, that's a statistic that's been very consistent for the history of Texas State. And um, what if we can change that? What if the 11% becomes the first thing that becomes out of date about our, about our coverage, right? Um, I wanna see that percentage going up. So uh, yeah, I, I hope that answered your question. I kind of rambled. No, no, you, you didn't, you didn't at all. Don't, don't say that. I, uh, I'm with you. Um, I, I really want this project to be uh, telling stories about those who like be kind of just be the voices of the unheard and uh, shed light on a lot of people. And, and, you know, frankly, it felt to me going here, I didn't notice how few black people we had. I felt like we had a, a lot of black people more, more than 11%. And, you know, amongst black people here, there's a joke that uh, like uh, Texas State is like uh, an HBCU because there's so many black people here. But then you look statistically and it's like, yo, this isn't, this isn't that much. And the university loves to say, and I, I heard this all the time when I was on campus that like, we're a minority majority university. And it's like, well, the black people, especially are still like the minority minority, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. only 11% in that number hasn't changed significantly over how many years that this university has, has been around, you know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to this project. I, um, it is a lot, you know, it is very nerve wracking. You know, we, uh, we, we have a lot of eyeballs on this, but I think we have what it takes and I think we're capable or not. I'm excited. So this is kind of just me trying to bring up the 11% to anybody who's watching or listening and, you know, keep an eye out because, you know, this uh, takes a lot of work and, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of people behind the scenes are working their ass off and, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. And like Daniel said, I think the key word is timeless. And um, yeah, um, we are just about out of time. Daniel, uh, is there anything you want to plug before we go? Um, uh, please, uh, please read the star and support student media. Um, uh, I... Uh, that, that, that request isn't for me as much as it is for you because the people that, that read the star, the people that, uh, contribute ideas, give me story pitches that, that leave comments on stories that uh, the news section publishes, um, we just then become a, a more focused, uh, organization. We become better at serving our community. So, um, and we, our goal is to serve you at the end of the day, uh, news is all about informing people about the things that they might not otherwise be able to know about or find out about themselves. Um, so, uh, I, I, I urge, um, I urge our readers to, uh, to really look at the, look at the star as an opportunity to project your questions. You have questions most likely about what's happening in your day-to-day lives at the university or even in the city. And we have the capability of answering your questions and we want your voices to be heard so that we can address it in the best way possible. So uh, uh, please consider just um, uh, contacting us in any way, uh, uh, read our articles, give us constructive criticism, 
Um, because the more that you interact with us, uh, the better that we can serve you. So, um, and obviously watch out for the 11%, uh, uh, good stuff is coming. Uh, please, uh, uh, I don't know, is there some sort of subscription for this podcast? Because uh, Mr. Kim Davis is an awesome host, great guy. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've been here for, for like what, a, a few months and you're already like iconic. Like you, you're taking off, man. I'm really, I'm really excited to see what you do with this platform while you're hiring people this month. Yes. Yes. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna shine. I'm really excited to see what you do. Thank you, man. That, that, that means a lot to me. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I really appreciate uh, your time and being here. I enjoy talking to you uh, genuinely. Um, and I enjoy getting to know you more. I'm excited to see where uh, you and the section grows as time goes on. And, you know, you're, you and I are very like-minded and we're very ambitious people. And I think that's beautiful. And I, I, I like how you're striving to be better as opposed to just being settling for mediocrity, because when you thrive in mediocrity, you never know what you're capable of. And uh, I really admire you for doing that, man. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, so anybody who's watching and listening, the star is uh, applications are open right now. If you want to work with Mr. Daniel Weeks at the news section, or you want to become a part of the podcast team, make sure you apply and uh, see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Have a good one. <laughs>